The United Soccer Coaches is proud to present the United Soccer Coaches podcast, presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer broadcaster Dean Linky. That's right, the NSCAA is now the United Soccer Coaches. We aren't changing who we are, just what you call us. Start your free, no-risk trial membership today. Go to unitedsoccercoaches.org slash join today. We unite coaches at every level of the game around the passion of the game. Now, here's our host, Dean Linky. Hello, ladies and gentlemen and coaches at all levels. I am Dean Linky, and I am so proud to host the United Soccer Coaches podcast, and I am so proud to be with our featured guest today, the legendary USA soccer superstar, Tab Ramos, who is the technical director for the U.S. Soccer Youth National Team Program, the longtime head coach of the U.S. under-20s. He's in India right now, like right now, as the technical director, watching his U.S. under-17 team, coached by John Hackworth, get things going in the 2017 under-17 FIFA World Cup. And he's kind enough to join us right here on the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. He leads off the show, and he does it right after this message from Team Snap. Does managing your club or league feel like a second job? If so, you might need some help. With Team Snap, you can get it. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, everything you need is online, which means no more trips to the bank, no more lost checks, and no more colossal spreadsheets. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to teamsnap.com slash NSCAA1. Once again, here's Dean Linky. Joining us live on tape from India, India, home of the 2017 FIFA U-17 World Cup. We are so pleased to be joined by one of the all-time legends of U.S. soccer, and he is the current U.S. soccer youth technical director and head coach of the U.S. U-20 men's national team. Just over a month ago, in fact, he signed an extension to continue his role as U.S. soccer's youth technical director. Tab Ramos, who has served in that role since 2013 and served as the head coach of the USA Under-20 men's national team since October 2011. The U.S. Soccer Youth National Team program has seen remarkable success and progress with Ramos at the helm. During his tenure, youth national team player pools have deepened with quality players that are producing results at the international level. The U.S. was the only country to reach the final in all three age groups during this year's CONCACAF championships, U-20, U-17, and U-15. The U-20's victory against Mexico was the team's first in 31 years. And at the U-20 World Cup, Ramos led the squad to back-to-back quarterfinals in 15 and 17 for the first time in program history and the team did not lose a match in regulation are you kidding me of course right now in india the u17s are primed for a strong performance and after beating the host india three to nothing they are off and rolling already tab ramos was inducted to the national soccer hall of fame as a player in 2005 he spent 13 years as a member of the u.s men's national team from 1988 to 2000 now get this ramos has represented the U.S. in nine World Cups, more than anyone in U.S. soccer history. As a player in the 83 U-20 World Cup, the 1989 FIFA Futsal World Cup, the 1990, 94, and 98 FIFA World Cups, and as a coach in the 13, 15, and 17 U-20 World Cups, 
and the 2014 FIFA World Cup. Now, Ramos started every game for the U.S. in the 1990 World Cup in Italy and the 1994 World Cup held right here in the United States. In 1990, he was named U.S. Soccer's Athlete of the Year after helping the USA reach its first World Cup in 40 years. And he's the only player in U.S. soccer history to score in World Cup qualifying in three different decades. And he scored one of the most famous goals in U.S. soccer history, a 1-0 World Cup qualifying win against Costa Rica in Portland, Oregon in 1997. Ramos was the first player to sign with Major League Soccer in 1995 and spent seven years of his playing career helping launch the league as a standout for the New York, New Jersey Metro Stars. This after having incredible success in Spain and Mexico as well. He was a star in Kearney, New Jersey, the original Soccer Town USA, and he was a repeat All-American at NC State University in Raleigh. And after all that introduction, I've got to admit, as the uh, former press officer for first the 92 Olympics, then the 94 World Cup, then the director of communications for Major League Soccer, a lot of times I'll get the opportunity to go and speak. I'm usually choice number 30 or 31, and if they can't get the first 29 folks, then I'll come in and speak. And usually one of the questions they'll ask is who's the greatest player you ever worked with during your time with U.S. soccer and to a man to a question I always answer Tabaret Ramos and I'm not just saying that because he's on the phone with us now from India and you just heard all those great accolades I'm saying it because pound for pound for me during my time He's the greatest player to ever wear the red, white, and blue. So it's an honor to be back on the phone with him and joining him from India as he's there for the FIFA U-17 World Cup. Tab, I mean that. You were just amazing. It's great to be with you. Well, thank you. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. It's, uh, you know, it's hard to, to disagree with you on this great introduction. <laughs> 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 I, uh, I appreciate that. But, uh, no, it, it's great to, you know, speak with you. I know it's been a long time since we had an opportunity to touch base, and it was great working with you when we did. And, you know, obviously I'm sort of still in the, after all the running around, I'm still in the same place. I'm still with the national teams. Yeah, well, that's right where you belong as well, because I also felt like Sunil Galati also felt the same way about you and your work and you as a person. And obviously you just uh, signed an extension on September 9, 2017 to continue your role as U.S. Soccer's Youth Technical Director. That means you head up the U-20, U-19, U-18, U-17, U-16, U-15, and U-14. So we'll start, though, with U-17, and why not? You're in India right now, kind enough to take this call. And the U-17 team, led by John Hatt who's been on our show before as well. Off to a great start, right? A 3 nothing win over the host country, India. Now you've got Ghana on Monday, and then, of course, you have Colombia on Thursday. So first off, the start against the host country, 3 nothing. It's hard to ask for a better start, Tab. Tell us what you saw. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we first of all, we, you know, obviously we, we believe we have a great coach in John Hackworth. You know, he's done this before. He has a lot of experience. Uh, and he can uh, transmit a good message to the players in terms of what they have to prepare for. Um, you know, we have a very good team. We have good players here on the attacking side of the ball in particular. Uh, I think we have some special guys who can who can break uh, games open, and it's nice to see on American teams now have those type of uh, creative players. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, Having said all that, it's not easy to open up against a home team regardless of, of who they are. Um, India was, 
you know, in general, they were a weak team. Uh, but you know what? When you're a, a 16, 17-year-old opening up in a stadium with 50,000 people in it, uh, cheering against you, uh, I know that that's difficult when you're older. Uh, so I, I would imagine that as a, you know, 15, 16, 17-year-old, that's not easy either. And I think, you know, the boys did a great job, handled it well, and took care of the game. And, you know, 3 nothing is, uh, it's a pretty good uh, score to start with. Okay, so now it's Ghana on Monday, and here's the deal, Tab. This interview will be released Wednesday, Thursday, so we're going to kind of have to do the crystal ball as well. So as you think about Ghana, and, man, there have been some epic battles over the years at every single age level between the U.S. and Ghana, right? What's got to go right for John Hackworth's team to to knock off Ghana? Well, it's going to be really difficult because Ghana is, is certainly one of those teams that's one of the favorites to win this tournament. You know that usually, in in particular in the younger in the younger uh, World Cups, the African teams are are almost always the most difficult. Uh, and so, you know, the team um, I think will be up for the challenge, but uh, no question that it's going to be a high pace back and forth uh, back and forth game that that I think can go either way. Now, a different game on Thursday, again, knowing that uh, when you play on Thursday, we'll just release this interview, and you think about Columbia, which, uh, you know, boy, when I think about Columbia, I think about you wearing those uh, denim jerseys in 1994, beating Columbia at the Rose Bowl on the world's biggest stage, right? So uh, with that as a semi-backdrop, what's got to go right on Thursday to beat Columbia? Totally different game, of course, than playing Ghana. So Columbia is a team that doesn't play so much a transition game. Uh, they're very technical. They hold on to the ball really well. And I think we match up with them uh, very well. I think the game against Columbia is going to be a key one because it's a placement game. So depending on how we do in that game, whether we win it or, or tie it or whatever happens, that's how you get placed going into the second round. So I think you know there's a lot of things that are going to be in John's mind. Uh, going into that game and how he prepares the team because of the opponent that you will have in the second round, hopefully. Now, Tab, I'm not sure if you knew this or not, but when we had John Hackworth on, he actually came on during the U-17 CONCACAF qualifying for the World Cup. He was just kind of like the situation with you. You guys are so accessible. And he came on and he said, you know, look, I think we can take care of Mexico for the first time in some time as Mexico has always been a problem, right? And obviously good success against Mexico and then they were able to come back. But then he also said unabashedly, Tab, unabashedly that he thinks this team, this U.S. under-17 team that's over with you right now in India can in fact win this World Cup right here, right now. As the technical director, do you back off those statements or do you think... It can be done. Look, I mean, I, I think we, I, I, we're we at a point where we we recognize that it's difficult for us to name ourselves the best team in the world. We, I just don't think we're there yet. Having said that, I think we're competitive in all the age groups to be able to compete to win the championship. It was no different when we went to the World Cup with the under-20s, you know, a couple months ago. Uh, you know, we went knowing we're not the favorites to win the World Cup, and we were also not the favorites to win the CONCACAF championship, and we won it for the first time ever. Um, I think we had a good enough team to compete against anyone and beat anyone in any particular day. Uh, and I think this team is the same. This is a very good team. Um, are we the best team at the U-17 World Cup? I would say probably not. Uh, but I think when you look at the best teams at this World Cup and you look at us and you put our, our 11 against our 11 on the field for 90 minutes, I can tell you that we can win any game. 
I like that answer. Fair and accountable. How about some names and faces? Uh, some of us that uh, are deeper into the nuts and bolts of soccer know some of these players, but hearing from your lips, who are some players on this team that we're going to hear a lot from in years to come? Well, I mean, look, uh, here's where we can go back, you know, however many years. When I went back to the 1990 World Cup, uh, we were mostly amateur players playing in a, in a major World Cup. Uh, and now here we are, U17 World Cup in 2017. Uh, after our senior team has been to seven consecutive World Cups, talking about how many professional players we have in our U17 national team. Our U20 is already full of professional players. Sometimes you'll get one college player, but it's mostly professional. Our 17s now are players who have been signed to professional contracts, and we have quite a few of those on this team. So just to, to you know to battle off some names, obviously as you know, Josh Sargent, the center forward for the U17s, has already played at the U20 World Cup earlier this summer uh, and received the the silver boot. He was second leading scorer in that World Cup. Uh, he's already linked with you know European teams and he's going to sign a contract overseas. Jalen Lindsay, the right back from Sporting Kansas City, has already signed a professional contract. Andrew Carlton has already signed a professional contract with Atlanta United and has already uh, made his debut in Major League Soccer. Um, so, you know, you can go on quite a few other names. We have Tim Weah, who plays for Paris Saint-Germain uh, overseas. There's, so there's, you know, you start putting names together and you realize, wow, we've, we've really come a long way. We have more professional players on our U-17 now uh, than we did on our 1990 World Cup team. That's that's a We've come a long, long way. Well, and that's got to mean great things for your role as technical director heading up as well, the U-20 team. Then you've got Brad Frito at U-19, Omid Namazi at U-18. We talked about John Hackworth over there with you now in India. Sean Securis, U-16, Dave Vanderberg, U-15, Clint P.A., U-14. Those are your head coaches. But with that backdrop, talking about all those players that are already professionals, the future is obviously bright. That had to mean on September 19th when you signed that extension, you had a big smile on your face, right, Tab? As we talked about earlier, you've been at U.S. Soccer for a long, long time, and looks like you're going to stay for a long, long time. Yeah, and, you know, the smile on my face is, has been there for a while now because I love my job. I'm in a great place. I've learned a lot with U.S. Soccer. I feel like I'm, you know, I've been part of the U.S. Soccer family for decades, uh, and I'm glad that I've learned enough to be able to contribute and pass on a good message to the new players and teach them. You know, the next step now is to continue to hire the type of people that can deliver that type of message and, and, and people who uh, are good at teaching. And I think we have a great staff now. Um, I think there's a lot of people to give credit to, you know, including all the people who don't work at U.S. Soccer, people at MLS uh, who have put uh, so much effort into youth development, uh, which makes our national teams better. Uh, but there's a lot to be happy about, so there's no reason to not have a smile on my face. All right, we're talking with Tab Ramos, the U.S. Soccer Technical Director. He's in India now for the FIFA U-17 World Cup. They win their first game 3-0. They play Ghana on Monday. They play Colombia on Thursday. All right, Tab, let's go back a little bit as well. And here's why it's important, right? I came on the air telling you that uh, without question you're the best player to ever wear the USA uniform. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people out there, these millennials that know Landon Donovan, and that's where it stops. And I think it's important to remind people how great you were. But let's let's hear your story a little bit, though, from Uruguay to Spain and part of the USA. Tell us where you were born and when you came over, and uh, let's get to know you a little bit, Tab. Born in Uruguay, uh, 
born in Uruguay, moved to the U.S. when I was 11, so I really got a lot of my youth development, you know, done here in the U.S. Um, I was already on the U national team, on the under-20 national team when I when I was 15 years old, because back then uh, in the U.S. we didn't have, that was the only youth national team was our U-20, so it's either you made that team or you weren't on a national team. So I got on the national team early, um, went to went to college. I got drafted out of high school to go play for the Cosmos in the NASL, but it looked like that the team and the league were folding, so I decided to go to college. I went to North Carolina State. After North Carolina State, I went to the Olympics, and then and then after that, uh, we qualified for the World Cup for the first time in four years. I went to the World Cup, signed a contract in Spain immediately after the 1990 World Cup. I spent about uh, almost five years in Spain. Uh, from there, I signed with Tigres in Mexico for a couple of years, and then I and then I uh, joined MLS when MLS uh, was created in 1996. Um, I know that the league came to me and wanted me to be the first player to be signed to the league. Um, so I, I will be that trivia question at some point down the road, that, that trivia an- answer, I guess, at some point down the road, that I was the first player to ever sign a contract with Major League Soccer. Um, so you can imagine how excited I am about what that turned that turned out to be because it'll look at look at where we are now. Um, at the time I signed, I didn't even know I didn't even have a name of a team that I was signing with. I knew that I would play with the team in the New York area, and that's all I knew. Um, but I was willing to make the effort to come back from Mexico. I was playing on a great Tigres team there. We had just won the cup, and and I said it's time to go home and get something bigger started and. And here is MLS now, so I'm very happy that I did that. And so I've had seven years at uh, Metro Stars, and, and you know, now the New York Red Bulls. Uh, so I played seven years there, uh, and then I, I retired. I retired from there. At the same time, obviously, I played in I played in three World Cups, 1994-98, and then retired from the national team in the year 2000. So uh, immediately following both of my retirements, one from the national team in 2000, and then from MLS in 2002. Um, I took my B license because I had an interest in coaching a little bit and then went on to take my A license and then I, I did about 10 years of youth coaching, um, about eight years of youth coaching out there in the market with everybody else and playing tournaments and state cups and regional cups and national championships and all that stuff. did that for about eight years and then I slowly, Thomas Rangan gave me an opportunity to move up to the uh, to the youth national teams, he saw me coach him one day, and he said, "You know, if you ever want to come with the under 20s, like uh, I'll take you on. You can come as an assistant coach, you know, and help out." And I went to help out, sort of on my own. I volunteered for a couple of years with the under 20s, and then at one point, you know, Thomas Rungan uh, was let go from his job, and so obviously I knew that when he got let go, I was going to leave too because you know I didn't want to take his job after he left. And so U.S. Soccer called me about the possibility of taking the team to a trip. Uh, the under 20s, and I was really excited about it, but I told him that I couldn't do it because, you know, since Thomas Rangan wasn't there, I didn't want to be, I couldn't mm-hmm. be part of it because I was part of his staff. And then they said, no, well, Thomas Rangan recommended that we give you the opportunity to coach the team. Wow. And I was like, wow. I said, well, okay, well, let me let me call Thomas before I, I agree to this because I really don't want to do that. And they said, okay, we'll close that tomorrow, and that was your soccer, you know, and I called Thomas. And Thomas Rangan said, Pat, this is a great opportunity. You should go go ahead and take it. You're going to do great. And so I took the team for one trip to France, and, and then a few months later they I went through the interview process with a new coach, and in 2011 I 
I, I, I took over the under-20 national team for the first time. And then here we are, you know, qualified the team for the last three World Cups and made it to the quarterfinals for the last two World Cups and became youth technical director in 2013. So I've been, you know, in the meantime, continuing my education. I finished my, my pro license uh, actually about eight months ago. That took about a year and a half of work, and I'm very excited about that. I have you know, all my coaching education, and I continue to, learn every day and teach every day, and I'm very happy with what I do. Uh, that's a phenomenal breakdown. I want to just dive into a couple of uh, those points as you broke down the entire Wikipedia as, uh, you know, to perfection. We'll make sure that uh, we correct the errors that are on Wikipedia as well, Tab. Well done. Okay, so yeah, part of that time, uh, you ended up around the New Jersey area, and it seems like over the years you hear Carney, New Jersey, and you hear Tony Miola, John Harks, and Tab Ramos, and then Delran, New Jersey, Peter Vermees. So, like, were you in Carney or were you on top of Carney? I mean, how did that all work out? Yeah, I um, I moved to, actually, when my family, when I was little, my family moved to Uruguay. We moved to Harrison, which is the town right next next to Carney, and we lived in Harrison for a couple years. Um, went to Holy Cross Grammar School there, um, and then my parents uh, decided to move, and we moved to Carney. Uh, at the time, I was already signed with the, with the Thistle Football Club, of Kearney, uh, so we moved to an apartment that was only a few blocks away from there, uh, and it became easier for me to get to practice and everything else. So we moved about, you know, from Harrison to Kearney, literally it's blocks away. So we moved probably about 30 blocks away from where we lived before, but in a different town, which is Kearney. And uh, both Harrison and Kearney are great soccer towns. And uh, I got lucky I landed in the right place. You know, I played for a good club. Uh, I played with you know, John Hart's quite a few years and won a bunch of stuff with him at that club. And uh, and then Tony obviously was a couple years younger, maybe two years younger than us, but he was also at the same club. So so it was a good uh, it was a good environment to be in, and, and you know, and, uh, and we did well. And yeah, Carney has done well. Not just not just because of you know John and Tony and myself, but Carney's had a lot of great players over the last hundred years uh, who put. Uh, Carney on the map. Yeah, but certainly none bigger than those three right there, though. Ramos, Harks, and Miola. I just did a Michigan men's soccer game, and they've got a left back, Marcelo Borges, who's also from Carney. You probably know the name. He's a fantastic player yeah. as well, representing Carney at the highest level. Okay, so I'm doing this interview right now in Raleigh, North Carolina. I live in Chapel Hill. Both my boys go to a place called NC State. So Miola and Harks, they go to Virginia. Why did you pick NC State? Where, by the way, folks, he's also a Hall of Famer at NC State. Of course, as we told you earlier, a Hall of Famer with U.S. Soccer. Why the Wolfpack, Tab? It's sort of a long story because Virginia was very close to me selecting them as well. Blue Serena was coaching there at the time, and that was also a possibility. But I think it came down in the end with the comfort my parents had with, with the coach at NC State. It was an Argentinian coach. My father felt that it would fit my style of play a lot better because it was more of a free-flowing, up-and-down, running, 1v1 type game that NC State played, and it, it, it kind of fit my style better, so and, and my parents were happy about that, and, and we really made the decision, all of us, uh, that's, kind of, that's kind of how it happened uh, with my family. Um, so that's why I chose NC State. I'm happy that I chose it. I was there actually just two weeks ago uh, for, the, uh, for the NC State Wake Forest game. Uh, soccer game, obviously. Uh, so I was there, at, um, you know, supporting the Wolfpack. Unfortunately, we lost that game, but, but I was there. And, uh, yeah, happy I made that decision. And, and there was a school that, you know, I ended up graduating from 
uh, quite a few years later because when I left school, I, I was not, I didn't, uh, I had not finished all my classes, but I was able to finish a few years after, so I was, I'm happy to have graduated from NC State. All right, so let's fast forward then, the 1990 World Cup, uh, just a bunch of youngsters, a young pups over there. What do you remember about that experience uh, with Bob Gansler? It was amazing. I think I've said this before, but it, it seemed like, you know, we're just a we're just a bunch of young players who it was almost like we won a fantasy camp or something to be at the World Cup. <laughs> you know, it was just it was surreal because you know we weren't professional players, we weren't real professional players. Here we are competing against you know Baggio and some of the best players in the world. So we were you know, very fortunate to be there. Obviously, our first game was very difficult, and we got the welcome to the World Cup game, losing four or five one to. Czechoslovakia at the time, and uh, and then we got better from there, and we knew that we were building through because we had a we were going to have a World Cup at home four years later, and we needed to do well in that one. Okay, yeah, and that's what happened four years later, and uh, in steps uh, Bora Militinovic, and I think about uh, the fact that you mentioned NC State and George Tarantini, although you didn't say his name, and you know he was just a a little bit off <laughs> in in the right way, I guess. And then now you've got Bora Militinovic, and you played in Mexico, you played in Spain, you know, you played all over. What uh, what was that like for you coming in right from overseas and Mexico and meeting? Bora and what uh, what was that like playing for Bora? You know, it was, uh, at first it was uh, at first it was not easy. It was not easy because it was it was hard to understand concepts of how we played. But I tell you what, you know, I've been really fortunate to have gotten to know Bora over the last twenty years really well, and he's you know I think he's a great person. And and maybe I you know since I I got to the team really only a few weeks before the World Cup was starting because I was playing in Spain at the time, so I didn't have the preparation that most of the other guys who lived in California at the time had with Bora. Uh, so I didn't really get to know him that well. I only got to know him later. But I, I can tell you this, that it was the first time, you know, we were coached by somebody who was not afraid uh, to play against any other team. I mean, he believed in us. He believed in the team. He believed that we could do a good job against any team we played. Uh, and I think that gave us a lot of confidence. And, you know, in the end, I think, it's a good sign when a coach can get the most out of a team, and I think Bora did exactly that. Boy, I have the most vivid memory of Bora Militinovic and Tab Ramos, and perhaps the most vivid memory I have in all my time with U.S. soccer. Of course, we're playing Brazil on the 4th of July after making the second round for the first time ever in the history of U.S. soccer. You're playing outstanding. All of a sudden, you're over on the far side. Leonardo from Brazil cocks his elbow, hits you in the head, knocks you out, and you go straight to the locker room. They get the red card. And I remember vividly you laying with your eyes kind of in the back of your head and Bora coming in and almost shaking you. What do you remember about that moment, Tab? Yeah, I remember. Um, there's not much I remember about it. I just remember you know, getting hit with the elbow and then laying down on the field. Uh, and I felt like I like I got run over by a train. And then I know that immediately they took me in a stretcher into the locker room, and I laid there a little bit. I don't remember much of that, but I do remember Bora coming up to me and saying, can you play? Can you play the second half? And I, I don't even know if I was able to answer. I think someone else answered for me. Uh, but I do remember getting asked that question, and then they said, no, we, you know, we're going to the hospital or something like that. But, yeah. And, uh, yeah, okay, I'm gl- so glad you said that because I tell people that Bora asked if you could play and they'd look at me like I'm lying, you know, so. 
Uh, but yeah, I had a cracked skull, so it was uh, it was going to be difficult for me to get on the field. It took me four months to get back on. Was it longer than four months, Tab? I mean, did it affect you for a while? Because that is a a really tough injury. Yeah, I mean, there's still days now where I feel, you know, like on those like uh, humid days where. You know, it's it's a little bit cold. There's certain overcast days where I just feel on that side of my head. It just it feels like a you know almost like you have a headache only on one side. I still feel a little bit of the effect of that. Well, and you were in the hospital. I think Leonardo did come visit you. Is that right? Yeah, Leonardo came with. I think it was the president of the Brazilian Federation, and he apologized. And, and uh, you know, he's a very good guy. I'm known to be a violent player. You know, actually, he's a very skillful great player that played on on the left side for them and uh yeah so no hard feelings on my part it was part of the game obviously he lost his head uh, it's unfortunate for me but i guess that's the way it goes sometimes all right last thing here remind everybody because he gets the red card i think it was still zero zero at the time and i think brazil ended up scoring their one goal down a man right to beat the usa is that the way you remember it yeah i never actually saw the second half of the game Obviously, I know that we lost 1-0, but I never really, for whatever reason, I never watched the, the video or anything of that, that second half. I do know that we were playing a man up, and uh, obviously it was 0-0 at halftime, and then uh, we went on to lose. I think I think uh, Bebeto scored a goal um, at some point in the second half. All right, sticking with coaches, obviously uh, you were with Bruce Arena as well, and now you're you know working directly with Bruce Arena, but... Uh, after that, you spent uh, multiple years with Jurgen Klinsmann, and a familiar sight on the bench is Jurgen Klinsmann, and sitting right next to him is Tab Ramos. The good and the bad of that time spent with Jurgen Klinsmann, Tab. Well, I mean, it's uh, it's hard to think of anything bad, uh, to be honest, other than you know I'm going through a learning process because Jurgen started to take me as as an assistant on his staff uh, all the way back to. You know, when he first joined, like in 19, uh, I'm sorry, in 2011. Uh, and so I went, I would go into sporadic camps because his assistant, his main assistant was Martin Vasquez for a long time. And then Andy Herzog became his, uh, his main assistant. Uh, but he would take me from camp to camp. He liked what I had to offer, and, and I learned a lot. You know, Jurgen was a great person. Um, he knew uh, organizationally, he was in a different. He was sort of in a different dimension than any other American coach we had had in the past. Uh, and he really pushed U.S. soccer to the limit uh, in terms of his ask of what it took to coach the national team. Uh, and I think it made us all better. It made, it made the Federation better. It made us better as coaches. And he really pushed the envelope when it came to what was required of a, of a senior national team. And so obviously he came with a lot of experience, not only because he was one of the greatest forwards in the world to ever play the game and successful in so many leagues. Uh, but because he had already coached in the World Cup with Germany and he had already co- coached Bayern Munich. And, you know, obviously that's as high as it gets. And so uh, that's the only experience that I took in. Uh, and so, you know, I wish I could tell you it was bad. The only bad is sometimes you lose because this is the way it works in the game. And when you're, and, you know, when you're a head coach, uh, you know that you're always, you know, every day you step on the field, you're one day closer to not having a job. So, uh, those are tough moments. Sometimes you win games that you're uh, not supposed to win, uh, which was mostly the case. Uh, and sometimes you lose you lose games that you're supposed to win. And when that happens, uh, I think then 
uh, your lifespan becomes a little bit more short-lived. Well, you've had the experience to play with so many great players and play under so many great coaches. Going back to what it meant in 90 and 94, then the launch of Major League Soccer, particularly 94, when for the first time ever we made it to the second round, we beat Columbia and advanced, the crowds were amazing. And you look out on the field and you see big personalities and Alexi Lalas and Balboa and then Thomas Dooley and Ernie Stewart and bit players like Mike Sorber and then meet in goal. Like, who are some of the favorite players you remember playing with for the USA? I mean, I told you that you were my favorite player. How hard is it for you to pick a couple favorite players? Well, it's it's hard because I, I always think I was so lucky to play with so many so many great players. You know, because there were some players that came along after. I mean, if we were to just single out the 1994 World Cup, you know, Hugo Perez was probably the most skillful player that I ever played with on the on the national team. Um, obviously, for whatever reason, maybe coaches' decisions, Hugo happened to not be on the field all the time, but but he was uh, probably the most skillful that I've ever played with. So it was a joy to play with him and watch him. And I, you know, idolized him for a little while when I came to the U20s at age 15 because he was the big superstar of that U20 team. So he was amazing. Uh, and then obviously, you know, the guys, all the guys you just mentioned, you know, I know that Tony was always a winner, so it was great to have him in goal, you know, and then I had opportunities to play with Brad Friedel and Casey Keller after that. So, I mean, it just, I think I played with historically some of them, and Tim Howard as well. So I, I've played with what in the history of the game a hundred years from now is going to be remembered as the golden age of goalkeeping uh, in this country because I'm sure that, that that's never going to happen again, having four goalkeepers like that at the same time. And and then obviously on the field, you know, the experience of Thomas Dooley, the, the work rate of John Harks, and, and, and you know, the desire and, and experience of... of Ernie Stewart, and you know the the speed of Kobe Jones, and the ability to defend of both Alexi Lalas and Marcelo Balboa. That you know they dove into every ball, and you know they were not the most skillful guys, but they knew their role, and their role was defending, and they did all they could to defend, and they did a good job with that. And so and you can go on and on. I mean, I hate to leave any teammate out. You know, Eric Ronaldo was a great finisher, and and a slicer in the box, and he could also use passer at the same time so there's just you know there was it was a it was an era i think of of a lot of good players who did well and that was followed probably by an era of players who were even better and and uh and hopefully uh the best the best is yet to come all right, just a couple more, Tab, uh, as though it's so much fun spending time with you as you're over in India for the FIFA U-17 World Cup. As you say a lot of those players, you know, one of the things that uh, I always admired about you and talking about you being the best ever to play, I mean, you just went out and played. You weren't ever seeking the limelight, and I don't think you ever faulted those players that did seek the limelight. But, man, you said a lot of them that have been in the limelight and continue to be in the limelight, particularly Eric Winalda and Alexi Lalas, a little bit uh, lesser degree, Marcelo Balboa. They're out front. They're outspoken. They've got their shtick. And even for a little while, Tony Miola had it, Harksy. What's your take on that shtick and what it means for the future development of the game? Well, I'll tell you this, and I, you know, about, obviously, Social media now has made everyone an expert. <laughs> and so whether you are any of those guys you mentioned or whether you are Joey from Indiana, uh, your voice is the same. Uh, and so, you know, as I'm sure you've noticed, I, I don't have a Twitter account. I don't have a Facebook account. I don't, it's just not my type of thing. It wasn't my type of thing where, where I played. 
Uh, and I know there were a lot of players who, if there was a camera, they, they would fight each other to get in front of it. <laughs> that was not my thing at that time, and it's not my thing now. I, I love the game. I like to work. I like to be in the game. I like to smell the grass. I like to be on the field. Uh, I like to work. I like to teach kids. This is, you know, I like to teach the game. I, you know, and that's where my passion is. Uh, you know, social media for me, if it didn't exist, it would be exactly the same. And I know, you know, obviously there's a lot of sponsors out there and there's a lot, you know, you know and I, I guess that's the hope of a lot of people who are on social media is, is I guess getting followers to get paid <laughs> by somebody. I, I don't, that's not, that's not the game I played. You know what I have? I have one sponsor, which is Nike, which I've been with for, for 25, 30 years. I've been loyal to them, and they've been loyal to me, and I'm very happy to be with them. And, and the rest of the stuff is for everybody else because, unfortunately, on all that stuff, there's too many experts, and I can't keep up with them. All right. Well, Tab, along those lines, as we wrap up this incredible interview, here's the deal. I mean, you're the technical director for U.S. Soccer. You've got, uh, you know, Brad Friedel, who you played with on your staff. He's the U19 head coach and a key part of your staff. And he said as much, loves working with you and the family atmosphere that you've built. But in your position, Tab, let's face it, let's call it straight. I mean, there are people that you played with directly that would love to also work under you and be on one of these teams and get enough. Other chance, And then you also have to witness heartbreak, right? I mean, John Harts was doing great work at Cincinnati. Tony Miola was trying to break in in the NASL. And now they're looking for their next opportunity. Perhaps it comes with you. I'm not sure. But how hard is that, right? When you've got uh, players uh, and, and friends that, you know, I'm sure they want to work with you, right? I think I'm calling that correctly. And, and you've got to make some tough decisions when it comes to who's going to be a part of your staff. Yeah, I mean, and it has to be the right timing and the right situation for each. Because, look, I mean, here here's the bottom line. I'm I'm trying to open the door to all the players. I would like for all of our youth national teams to be coached by former national team players because I think that a former national team player has so much to offer. You know, youth national team players can really identify with the guys who have been there in their shoes before. I think that's really important. But you also need to find guys who are willing to do the work. Coaching is really difficult. It's a 24-7 job when you're with the national teams, and you have to be really dedicated to improving each and every player. And you also have to find people who, who are experts in, in an age group. And so because maybe you've coached in, you know, in the MLS uh, and because you've been involved in the game for the last 20 years, it doesn't mean that necessarily if you don't have all your licenses up to date, if you have never coached youth, it doesn't mean that you're a good fit to coach a U15 national team. And so you have to find the right fit. Uh, the answer to what you're saying is the door is open to all the guys. I want all the guys to contact me about, hey, I really want to do this. And it's been, it's been a little bit the other way around. It's been me calling Clint Mathis and saying, hey, Clint, why don't you come with me? Come on board, learn with us for a little while, and then maybe you'll have a team. It's been it's been me calling the Marcelo Galbaz of the world and saying, Hey Marcelo, I want you to come with me. Why don't you come with me? You know, come with a couple of the teams and, and so it's not for everybody. Not everyone is dying to coach. Uh, youth national team because they know also that it requires a lot of effort. Fantastic answers. Okay, now trying to get the job done over in India. If uh, people are just popping in now, they may have not heard my question saying, can the USA win the FIFA U-17 World Cup in India? And I felt like your question was fair, including indicating the fact that there are better teams over there. But 
Tab, as a coach, right, and now as the technical director, if these two or three things go perfectly for the United States, they could win the World Cup. What are those three things, Tab? Well, I think your team has to uh, constantly be compact and be focused. I think attacking-wise, we can hurt any team at this World Cup any time. Um, I think we can score a goal any time against anyone, and that's a, that's a good, you know, it's good to be able to, to count on that. But at the same time, as you know, when you're playing against some great players from around the world, and some of these players are already playing, and you know, and on, 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 on Division One teams, you know, you make one mistake and you're going to pay for it. And I think we'll see. Hopefully, that doesn't happen. Hopefully, our boys stay focused because I think we have a good chance here. Tab Ramos from Uruguay to Spain and everywhere in between, including India, right now as the technical director for U.S. Soccer. I'm telling you, folks. Perhaps the best ever to wear the red, white, and blue and still with U.S. soccer to this day. Tab, I had a blast. I think I told you 20 minutes. I doubled that because I was having so much fun. I hope that's okay. I know it's late in India. Thanks so much for being with me. Thanks for reconnecting, and thanks for all you've done for the game in this country. It's simply amazing and second to none. Thank you so much for having me on. I always obviously enjoy talking about this stuff, and, and I'm happy that, you know, that you're doing well and and that your show is doing so great. It was great to be on. Thank you. Indeed. That was about as much fun as I can have doing the work I do, and you know I love what I do, but spending time with Tab Ramos right now while he's in India working with the U.S. Under-17 World Cup team that could shock the world, perhaps. We'll see. We'll keep an eye on it. Great spending time with him. All right. Tab Ramos leads off the show. We'll wrap up the show with another member of our United Soccer Coaches 30 Under 30, and we'll do that with Tony Dulac, the assistant coach at Lynchburg College in Virginia. He's next. Thanks to Tab Ramos for getting the show started. It's the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Looking for ways to improve your training sessions? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for over 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential for every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to take your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. Ready to ditch your spreadsheet? Team Snap can help you streamline your club and league management. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to teamsnap.com united. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. I want to thank Tab Ramos, the technical director for U.S. Soccer, for getting us started. Actually visiting with us from India He's over there as the USA is in the U-17 World Cup. Great to start with Tab Ramos. And now we're joined by another member of our 30 Under 30 program with the United Soccer Coaches and another fantastic member indeed, Tony Dulac, who enters his seventh season as Dr. Todd Olson's assistant for the Lynchburg College Women's Soccer Program in Virginia. Tony, thanks for being with us. Thank you, Dean, for having me. It's an honor to talk with you today and to represent the United Soccer Coaches. I know it's also an honor for you to represent Lynchburg because not only are you an assistant coach there now for seven years, but you played there. You were a fantastic player there, so that place must uh, mean a lot to you. It does. It really, it's really. it been my home away from home. It's been the 
longest place I've ever lived, uh, being a military brat. So Lynchburg definitely has a place in my heart that um, really nowhere else can really fill. So it's it's been a really great place to grow as as a student, as an athlete, and now as a coach with my with my young family. So it's it definitely has a huge place in my heart. And you know, during the recruiting process and later on in my life, my dad was always like, you know, son, that was a great decision to go. That just that place, Lynchburg College, just really fit your personality personality and energy and it's you know it's been an honor to serve the, the college and to been a part of so many great things uh, that are happening there yeah well you're phenomenal uh tony played for coach chris yeager and the lynchburg's college men's team helping the hornets earn back-to-back odac championships and ncaa tournament appearances in 09 and 10 program won its first ever NCAA tournament victory in 2009 and made an appearance in the Division Three National Championship match against the great Messiah College in 2010. Dulac is a multiple all-ODAC academic honoree and a multiple dean's list and athletics director honor roll member. So great times at Lynchburg. Okay, let's back it up, though. You talked about uh, being uh, part of a military family. Tell us uh, everywhere you've been hopping around before you landed at Lynchburg. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, my parents met in Colorado Springs at uh, Fort Collins, and that's where I was born. I lived there for about a year, and then went off uh, and moved to Germany for the, the following six years. And so that's where kind of I got started with soccer, uh, just learning some of the basics. I, I started playing t-ball at the time. Uh, that's the military, um, you know, brat thing to do on the military base. But lo and behold, it just wasn't a sport for me. So my mom signed me up for soccer. Started learning. Uh, out there on the base and then out in the uh, German community. Then finally went uh, back to Kansas for about three years, um, lived there at Fort Leavenworth, and uh, my father did some military work out there as well. And then we moved back to Germany for another three years, and that was about when I was about 10 to 13 years old. And then you know, that's when I really started getting into soccer and learning that I loved this game. And so by the time I got back to the state side, um, you know, lived in Kansas for a year, Missouri for a year, and then finally after uh, 9-11, my family moved uh, to Northern Virginia, where my dad's last duty station was Pentagon, and you know, did high school for four years, and then during the recruiting process, um, came and fell in love with Lynchburg College, and you know, the rest has kind of been history. So for the last uh, 11 years now, my, I've lived in uh, Lynchburg, so this has been the longest uh, tenured place I've ever lived, so it's, it's been an incredible whirlwind. You know, like a lot of military uh, um, uh, young men and women, you know, we're kind of like the you know, the official flower for for us is the dandelion because wherever wherever we go, we, we can plant and we can thrive and we can be um, really successful in the, in the community and with the the people that we're around and what we're working with. So it's been one incredible experience for me and my family. So you're playing, and uh, you know we see that uh, you also go and get your master's as well. So clearly, you're a smart young man. I mean, when did you say, you know what, I just I want to coach. You know, I want to stay here, and and I want to keep being involved in the game as a coach. Yeah, the um, for me the watershed moment was when my junior year of uh, college. I just finished my first semester uh, of my junior year. And really grasped that I just was not passionate about the degree that I was pursuing and the work that I was going to be going into. I was studying international relations, and you know, I had the idea of working in the Drug Enforcement Administration or the federal government or the state department. And 
no, that's just what my parents have done for their whole lives and what I've seen. And you know, for me, I always thought coaching would have been something I would have done with um, my children as they grew up. And you know, I would go and coach coach their youth, their rec teams, and then support them as they went on through and and, and just do that sort of parent thing. But as I went through that year, I really grasped that. You know, I love sports. I love um, working with um, young men and young women. And that's when I just decided that I would finish out my degree and then I would go back to Lynchburg College, uh, pursue my master's in education, and then I would um, uh, speak with uh, um, uh, either uh, Coach uh, Yeager or uh, Coach Olson and ask if um, any of them had a graduate assistant opening. And uh, lo and behold, uh, Dr. Olson did. And um, that's when really I, I saw that what the power of coaching can do and the influence that we can have as mentors and uh, and builders of young men and women. And so for me, it was just that culminating experience of diving in first and really realizing that my passions and the skills that I had were really for the best to be served for the student athletes um, that I could be working with. And so really for me, it's just been that first instance of getting into coaching and saying that, yes, this is, something that I really love. It, it combines sports, combines soccer, combines people, combines you know, really all the things that I've really found that I'm really passionate about. And so for me, that was just, um, again, the watershed moment of just really going, yeah, this is something I'd really rather pursue and do with my life because it just it gives me purpose and then, you know, just serving others is really what I'm truly all about. Well, and let me tell you, I don't get a vote on who picks the uh, United Soccer Coaches 30 Under 30, but it'll take me about two seconds in talking to you, another two seconds in reading about you to know you deserve to be on. As you think about uh, this is a guy who is leading young people who in 2011, when he got his B.A. in International Relations, he was recognized by Lynchburg College as a recipient of the 2011 Leadership Award. And then a few years later, he gets his Master's in Educational Leadership with a paltry GPA of 3.92, so <laughs> an impressive student as well. So I, I can tell you that uh, on behalf of soccer, particularly college soccer, we're so glad that you've decided to dedicate your time to growing these young people. Okay, you talked about the fact that you bounced around, and here you are sitting at uh, Lynchburg for uh, you know double-digit years now. What's, uh, what's it going to take to get you out of there and, and maybe be a head coach somewhere? What do you think, Tony? Uh, you know, that's I've had some opportunities to have interviews and to really explore what um, you know, what I'm looking for. And you know, it's Lynchburg College is a great place. It's it's got a lot going for it. And so for me, you know, to really go off and branch and to grow and to really become a head coach, I think it just takes the um, finding just the right place. Again, you know, when we talk with student athletes about finding the right fit and feeling the energy and making sure they find the, the right place that's home away from home. You know, it's going to take the right place that I can really grow as a coach, a place that's going to accept my family and I, and to somewhere that, you know, I can really um, see myself uh, building uh, young women of, of character and empowering them to change the world. So for me, you know, this, this year might be a year where, you know, I'll again, take a look and see what opportunities arise and see what, um, comes available but again I think for me it's just uh, finding the right place at the right moment 
Um, you know, Coach Olson, he's gonna he's gonna be at Lynchburg for you know probably eight, nine, ten more years. He's he's that youthful and that energized by the student athletes. And so for me to really grow, you know, the, the time's coming. So I think it's just finding the right place that will um, allow me to grow and to make mistakes, and then to really grow. Uh, young women that will you know, be successful in the classroom and on the field and then in the community as citizens. So, uh, you know, uh, it'll be interesting. You know, you never know what opportunities arise, but I think, um, you know, when I know it, I'll know it. And, yeah. you know, for me and my family, we'll just have to go and grasp it as, as, as quickly as we can and to really just dive head first. Well, one place so. you're going to be able to dive head first for sure is the 2017 United Soccer Coaches Convention. Actually, 2018 United Soccer Coaches Convention will be in Philadelphia, where we'll recognize all 30 members of the United Soccer Coaches 30 Under 30. You'll get to hang out with your mentor and you'll <laughs> right. get to dive right in. Tell me you're looking forward to that. I am. It'll actually be my first convention ever in the years that I've been coaching. Uh, they've had it in different areas from Kansas City to L.A. to Indianapolis. And the years they've had it close, um, I've had, uh, I think I've had um, a birth of a child, plus um, my wife was working one weekend because so she's a nurse, and so I had to uh, watch our family. So I think, you know, I've never been able to make it, so I'm really excited that this will be my, my first one and to really just go in and just, you know, soak it all in for five days. So I'm I'm really, really excited about it. Yeah, based on your background as somebody who is an outstanding student, I know you will soak it in indeed. All right, Buck. Tony, best of luck to you. Congratulations on all your success. Keep it going, okay? Thank you, Dean, so much, and I hope you have a great time, and I look forward to maybe interacting with you at the convention. Sounds great. Tony Dulac, 30 Under 30, United Soccer Coaches. Thank you, Tony. Well done. That's going to do it for today's show. also want to thank the great Tab Ramos, one of the all-time greats to ever represent the U.S. men's national team, now the technical director for U.S. soccer over in India with the U.S. under-17 team trying to win the U-17 World Cup. Great show. Thanks for being with us. Thanks to everybody at United Soccer Coaches. You know your name, Sean Chevro, Ashley Goodrich, Kurt Austin, Rob Kehoe, Ian Barker, Jeff Van Dusen, Lynn Burling Manuel, Pat Madden, Steve Veal, everybody at United Soccer Coaches. You are fantastic. This is the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. The NSCAA is now United Soccer Coaches. We help you develop into better coaches so you can develop better players. We aren't changing who we are, just what you call us. Go to unitedsoccercoaches.org slash join today.